0: Our text this morning is the same as it has been the last several weeks. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. And I'll read it, and I'll let you know we have a very simple goal for our time together this morning. Or I have a simple goal. My goal is, Lord willing, that that God through His Word will sharpen our understanding and deepen our understanding of how majestic He is and what it means that in the person of Jesus Christ, He came to be with us. That's our goal this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please follow with me as I read from Matthew chapter 1 beginning at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. I want to ask you a question. I want you to to actually think about the answer. What is your concept of God? What comes to your mind when you hear God? Is it an image? Do images come to mind? Maybe a grandfatherly old man with a flowing white beard? Something like Michelangelo painted on the Sistine Chapel, yeah, reaching out to Adam? Or is it words that come to your mind when you hear the word God? Big words like powerful, or mighty, or holy, or wrathful. What what starts coming to your mind? What's your concept of God? Let's put it on a scale. uh, A scale of ten. One being a very vague sort of idea. There's a being out there somewhere, but you couldn't really explain it or, or define it to anybody. Ten being a crisp, clear identity for God that you could articulate to someone. Where would you put yourself in that scale? From 1 to 10. Are you like the three year old boy that I read this week? When asked, Who is God?, he said, Our Father who does art in heaven. Harold is his name. (laughs) (laughs) Harold would love that joke because it has his name (laughs) in his corner. In the 1600s, a group of Scots, Scottish guys, came together and they worked really hard and they produced what's called the Westminster Catechism. And this is considered still to be one of the grandest statements of faith ever produced. Churches all have a statement of faith that just outlines, here's what we believe about God, here's what we believe about man, sin, Satan, all those things. Here's what they wrote about God. This is their attempt to synthesize everything the Bible says about God and put it into a couple of paragraphs. Now you'll need to... Focus your ears and your minds on this, but I think it'll do us well to read it. Here's what they said. There is but one only living and true God, who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, Most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will, for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal, most just and terrible in his judgments." Hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness, in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself. All sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he has made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone foundation of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things, and has most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them, whatsoever himself pleases. In his sight all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as... Nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature worship, service, or obedience that he is pleased to require of them. In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor preceding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Ghost eternally preceding from the Father and the Son. This is God. Now, I'm sure you didn't catch all that, but you get the idea. That is a, an attempt to synthesize as best we can what the Bible says about God, and it's intense. And what we need to do this morning in preparation for Christmas is just obliterate a shallow view of God. We need to infuse our minds and our hearts with a deeper, more well-rounded idea of who God is. Because if we don't, the fact that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, won't really mean anything. Which is one of the most tragic things in the world, for it not to mean anything. That God came to be with us. See, God is central to all history, to the Bible, to our lives, and all orbits around God. Just like our planets orbit around our sun. And when we try to put ourselves or anything else at the center of the orbit of our lives, we're doing it's just going to be disastrous. It's all designed to orbit around God as central. What place does He hold in your life? Is He central? Is your life orbiting around God? are you trying to make God orbit around you? I wonder how that's going for you. And I think this is why we have such a hard time reading the Bible. I mentioned those 91.9 Bible reading schedules. I know that many in here rarely read their Bibles. And it's because you open it up and you read for a while and you just don't seem to be getting anything out of it. I think that's because we're looking for ourselves to be the central character in here. That's just not the case. We want our Bibles to be like the magazines that we see. That flank us when we're standing in the checkout aisle. Look at the magazines next time. I didn't test this theory, but I think I remember correct. Meredith does the grocery shopping, so I haven't seen the magazines in a while. But I bet if you look at it, on the cover, any magazine you look at, whether it's Field and Stream or whatever the women read, it's going to have tips or steps for you to do what you want to do or for you to become who you want to become. So you can have 50 tips to build a beach body by summer or 5 tips to kill bigger deer. I have no idea what's actually in Field and Stream. I've it. You're going to find tips and steps to do what you want to do or to become what you want to become. And we want so badly to find that in here. We're plagued with our anxiety or our guilt or whatever it is. And we want to read this and find the heading, There's six steps to overcome my depression. Step one, do this. Check. Step two, do this. Check. And we just don't find that in here, do we? Instead, we find... Let's see, in my Bible, 990, 949 pages, primarily about God. And so many close their Bibles because they don't find it helpful. What they don't realize is that if you're lacking wisdom, it's the fear of God that is the beginning. You're fooled if you don't fear God, is what the Bible says. What they don't realize it, is that the cure for anxiety isn't seven practical steps, it's getting to know the God of the universe. And as you do, it develops a rock solid faith in Him. That's why we're so excited about this children's curriculum. It's the only children's curriculum that we can find that places God at the center. And it doesn't teach them don't lie, don't steal. So much as it teaches them that God is awesome. He is strong. He is faithful. He will never leave you. And Lord willing, generations of our children will grow up with God at the center of the orbit of their lives. And they'll grow up with faith and strength. So, I'm going to just throw out, I have seven things. There's so much that... I mean, you can't preach a sermon about God. I mean... We spend our whole lives getting to know God. But I have seven things I want to throw out there for you guys about God. To try to clarify the gap between Him and us. Okay? These are all things you know. First off, God is eternal. God is eternal. I am want to read to you Psalm 90. You don't have to flip there if you don't want to. I'm just going to read it. If I can find it. Psalm 90. Verses 2 and 4. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or a watch in the night. God is eternal. I want you to do something for me. I want you to look at your watch. Some of you were already doing it anyway, so it works out well. It should be convenient. For you, If you have an analog watch like mine You'll see that hand ticking You know what that's doing? It's measuring the length of my sermon this morning I do realize that Some of you wonder if I realize that <laughs> It's measuring this day How quickly it's going by It's measuring your Christmas season It will have a beginning It will have an end And ultimately it's measuring your life Right now, in this silence is passing by. But it's not that way for God. God is eternal, He is apart from time. Have you ever thought about that? When Moses came to him, he wanted Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses said, Well, who am I going to tell him who sent me? How am I going to say that you are who sent me? And he identifies himself for Moses. He says, Tell him that I am sent you. God identifies himself as I am. And what he means by that is that that day standing there talking with Moses in the burning bush, God is. And right now, December 20th, 1105, I've got plenty of time. <laughs> he is. 30 minutes from now when when you have finally made your lunch decisions and you're sitting down to eat uh, not 30 minutes sometime from now He is two hours ago when you were so frustrated just trying to get out the door with the kids He is 200 years ago before you were born He is 200 years from now after we're all forgotten He is Is eternal, and I had an opportunity to try to explain this to my son this morning because he has this picture book that I think his grandmother got him some time back, and it has pictures from his first year, including his one-year birthday party that took place at her house. And he saw that picture, and he kept coming to me and Meredith saying, "I want to go to this party. It's time to go to this party." And we're trying to explain to him, "No, see, we're here, and that was in the past." You can't go back to the past unless you have a DeLorean. (laughs) It's not possible. And it's hard to explain that to a three-year-old. But it's just as hard as it is for him to understand that. How hard is it for us to understand that? Back then, Elias is three now, two years ago at that one year birthday party, God is. Two years from now, at his five year birthday party, God is. He just is. God is eternal. This one's familiar to you. Genesis 1.1. God is created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. God created the heavens and the earth. You go outside and look up. God did that. And beyond that, to the seemingly ever-increasing universe that they can't even figure out. Like, does a heaven end? Is it infinite? He created that. You look around The trees That's his He did that (laughs) There's a new movie Out called Avatar Uh, Has anybody seen it yet? I wouldn't mind seeing it Oh yeah One person saw it I'll ask you after How it was James Cameron The director If I understand correctly Spent I think about a decade Coming up with the technology So in this movie He's created A whole different world Like an alien world a decade spent on the technology for this two-hour experience. And it's in 3D or 2D, whichever you prefer to watch. And I can't—I don't even know the figures of how much money spent to create that world for just two hours. And people are just marvel at it. James Cameron. He's done it again. He brought us Titanic. And now he's brought us this world. I think it's called Pandora. And he did a good job Man, that is nothing compared to what God did. Just by speaking it into existence. Now, to clarify where God is in this and where we are. To try to clarify the gap between us. I know some of us might fancy ourselves as being pretty creative. I know some of you are. And we've had some human beings that were pretty creative. But in reality, they're not creative. In reality, only God is creative. Because God created out of nothing. The Beatles, they did a pretty cool job of arranging some sounds. But God created sound. Michelangelo did a pretty good job of arranging colors. God created color. Robert Frost did a pretty good job of arranging words. God created the eyes to read them, the ears to hear them, the ideas to capture. Our whole lives are just playing out on the stage that God built with His promise. Here's a quick one I'll throw out there for you. Deuteronomy 33, 26 says this about our God. There is none like God who rides the heavens to our help and through the skies in His majesty. I just like that verse. I'm not going to have a lot to say on that one. He rides upon the heavens in His majesty. We're going to ride home in our minivan. God rides upon the heavens in his majesty. I love this one. God is self-existent and self-sufficient. I'm going to read you one passage pertaining to this from Isaiah chapter 40. God is self-existent and self-sufficient. This comes from Isaiah 40, 12-14. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens by the span, and calculated the dust of the earth by measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Who is his counselor? Who has informed him? With whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice? And taught him knowledge? And informed him of the way of understanding. And the obvious answer to these rhetorical questions is no. These things emanate from God. Have you guys seen that show, Survivor Man? I think it's the name of them. I think there's a couple of them. It's the one with the guy who sounds British and he goes into like very dangerous jungles or the Antarctic and just tries to survive. Nobody seen this? This is a bad illustration pick, I guess. Well, he does. He goes out and he survives and he takes a camera crew with him and they show him eating, you know, the bodies of dead animals that he finds to survive or worms or whatever. And it's amazing that he can survive in these really dangerous environments. Do you think, I'm not even going to ask if you think you could survive in the Antarctic. Do you think you're going to survive this service? Some of you might be thinking, I don't know if I am. But really, I mean, do you think you're going to get out of here? A lot? Do you know what all has to be maintained for us just to live just sitting in a pew? I don't know all the science behind it, but if our earth just moved a bit in its orbit, life would be impossible here. Within this hour, if it moved just the slightest bit, it would be over for all. Or air, just the fact that air holds its qualities that make it viable to give us life. Or the fact that your heart is beating. Are you doing anything to keep your heart beating during this sermon? It's just kind of doing its thing. Hebrews 1, three says... That God upholds all things by the word of his power. Just the fact that you are breathing, that your heart is beating, that the sun and the earth are at the right distance from each other, that's God's providence for you. People get excited when we see God's providence, like that unexpected check that God provided for our church. It's awesome. Just that breath you're breathing in right now. That's God's providence for you. He's upholding you right now. Here's one. He's omniscient. I'll read Hebrews 4.13. There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open. And laid bare to the eyes of him. With whom we have to do. Real quick. Think, what all has gone through your head during this sermon? What thoughts have gone through there during this sermon? I select the most embarrassing ones. I want you to come up here and share them with the group. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What thoughts have gone through your head? What is he talking about? What am I going to eat for lunch? That was a nice song. What worries have gone through All kinds of stuff, especially the women. I know the women's synapses are firing like 800 times as fast as the men. God knows what you have thought during this service better than you can remember. He knew the thoughts that were going to be in your head before you had them. All things are laid bare to Him. His holy... Whenever you see a, an image of heaven, there's always angels surrounding him just saying, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. Meaning that he is totally set apart, totally pure, totally perfect. Romans 11.33 says that he is incomprehensible. We can't, even, we can't comprehend this God, so I'm just going to stop at this point. Because I'm not going to be able to give you a full comprehension of God. One author has said that it's like trying to fit the Atlantic Ocean into a thimble. You can get a little bit in there. But trying to understand God, you never... In eternity, we will be learning more about God for eternity. And we'll never get to the end of it. That is our God. Now I'm going to read one more passage to you. Just because I really want you to feel this gap. This is from Job. When Job was having a difficult time... And with the counsel of his friends Was sort of questioning God Here's how God responded to Job In Job 38 And then the Lord answered Job Out of the whirlwind This is a man who was was sort of questioning God What's he doing? The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind And said Who is this that darkens counsel By words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man and I will ask you, and you instruct me, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have an understanding, who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it, and set a bolt in doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, oceans, but no farther, and there your proud waves will stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, And they stand forth like a garden. Have you entered into the springs of the sea? Or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? He's talking about the constellation, the stars. Can you lead forth the constellation in its season and guide the bear with their satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens or fix their rule over the earth? Do you feel the gap between where you are in that pew at Dooms Grove, Charlotte, North Carolina, between you here and God? I want you to feel that gap And as you talk to people One of the common Hindrances For people to accept Christianity Is that they look around And they see all the different religions And they think surely There must be many paths to God <clears throat> There are so many worldviews, So many religions Surely there are many paths to God as though God were just sort of on the other side of those woods over there. And we're all just kind of picking our own way through we'll make it. What arrogance that is. What arrogance to think that that God is that easily accessible to us. God is not at the top of a mountain and we're trying to find a path up to Him. In fact, the Bible says there aren't even people who really seek God. We're just seeking our own benefit. So the message of Christmas is not that there are many paths to God. The message of Christmas is not that there is one path to God. Some of you may think I misspoke there, but the message of Christmas is not that there is one path to God. The message of Christmas is that there is one path. It's the path God took to us. There's no path that's going to get you to that God I just described He has to come to us That's the only way that gap is ever going to be bridged. Philippians 2 puts it this way I know I'm doing these too fast for you to flip there with me Just listen it says Jesus Who although he existed in the form of God he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. To bridge that gap, God does not call us to find a path to him, he came to us. That's why it means something, that Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He came from being God. He emptied himself out. He didn't just become a man like, say, my age. He became a baby. A little baby. So that after about 18 days of conception, it wasn't until then that his heart started beating. A couple weeks later, his eye, ear, and respiratory systems would have started working. Jesus, God with us, in the womb. About seven weeks in, after conception, somewhere around there, he might have started sucking his thumb in the womb. Jesus, God with us. After his birth, if you ever thought about this, Jesus would have had an umbilical cord that hadn't been cut. I just never thought about that until I was thinking about it this week. He could have only seen about a foot away with any clarity, like all babies. Probably had blue eyes. All babies are born with blue eyes at first. It would have been a couple of weeks before he could have recognized Joseph's voice as his father. He would have had some of the same little reflexes that all babies have: the sucking reflex. The if you if you put your finger on their feet or their toes, they fan their toes out. Jesus would have been loved that way. If there was a jolt, if somebody bumped the manger, I mean, there are cows around. I'm sure something bumped the manger. His arms would have flung out. The average child has about seven to nine thousand diaper changes before that potty train. This would have been the case for Jesus. Let that sink in. I I don't know any way other than the Holy Spirit. To let this truth sink in that God came to be with us in the form of a baby in the person of Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine anything more astounding than that. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This means a lot of things for us. Um, For one, it means that your church attendance, your praying, your Bible reading, your witnessing, your tithes and the offering, those things don't bring you to God. God came to you. And now we get to do those things. Because God came to us. It means that that loved one that you're so worried about, that you cannot imagine, and I have kids in my family, and you just cannot imagine what it would look like for them to turn their hearts to God. It means that the gap's not as far as you might think because God came down to be with us. They, that person you're so worried about doesn't have to climb a steep mountain to get to God. He just has to turn around and see that in Jesus, He's right there. There's hope. It means that anybody here who feels unlovely or unworthy should never feel that way because look, at the gap that God closed to come and be God with us. To be God with you. To gather you to himself. It means that we should rejoice. And amen, we're going to sing a song about that. And I hope that you rejoice this Christmas. I hope it's such a joyful Christmas. Now I know that there's people coming from all different circumstances leading into this week. But I'm going to mention one more thing. I do do believe it's true that it's better to give than to receive in a lot of senses. I know that many of you have worked hard to buy your gifts for people. They probably, many of them are wrapped. Some of you are panicking because you still have a long list that you have to complete this week. But once you get all that done, I want you to focus on receiving this week. Because being a Christian at his core, is about receiving in this. We receive God's gift of himself with us in Christ. So when you receive gifts this Christmas, let that be a reminder to you. Just receive Christ. Just relax into his arms. Receive him. Stop trying to claw your way up this mountain to God. Just receive Christ and rejoice. Thank you,